Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 17th of July 2016, entitled The Basis of Our Christian Hope. And the Bible readings are taken from Titus chapter 1 verse 2 and chapter 2 verses 11 to 15. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I invite you to stand with us this morning in honor of the reading of God's most precious and holy word as we read from Titus chapter 1 and verse 2. The Bible says, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. And then in Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse 11, the Word of God says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Father, we thank you again this morning for your word that's before us. Lord, you know exactly who would be here today. You know the needs of each and every heart. Lord, we don't pretend to be able to do anything that would have any effect, particularly long-term, on anybody's life. Lord, I pray that it would be your word, the power of your spirit, that would break down whatever barriers and overcome whatever walls might be built, or that you could get to the hearts of each and every individual here this morning and speak the words that they need, that, Lord, if they're here lost, they would be saved before they leave, and, Lord, if they're saved, that they'll leave here today with a love and a desire and a walk more like our Lord Jesus Christ than ever before in their lives. And we'll give you all the praise, thanks, and glory for it. For it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. We're here on Wednesday. You heard me read these verses. And of course, as we began to put all these thoughts together, I make no apologies that really the, the idea, the thought, everything behind what we were looking at was in the parting of our dear sister to be with the Lord. And as God blessed on Wednesday, I got to touch on very few of the things that I'd put together. But I really felt like that God would have us to look at those things this morning to be reminded of this very, very simple thought. What is the basis of our Christian hope? The basis of our Christian hope. I mean, how important is hope to us anyway? How important is it in our Christian lives and how important is it in our daily lives because each and every one of us, we live day by day by day. How does it affect our daily lives? I mean, if you notice, and we'll look at some of these things in a little closer detail, the first thing that, that we see here in Titus chapter 1, verse 2, in his context, the apostle Paul is saying to young Titus, look, <laughs> the only reason that I'm able to come to you and write to you is because, he says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Paul is acknowledging with his very first statement in this letter that 
everything he was and everything that he did and the only reason that he was able to write to this young preacher at this time was because of his hope that he held in his life. It changed his life. And of course, later on in that chapter two, when we read those, those passages, he talked about the grace of God that appears to all men for salvation. If you're here today, God's desire for you is that you would be saved. There is no question about that. Not just from this verse, that the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, and not only because God says it is not his will that any should perish. We can look at verse after verse after verse in Scripture. God doesn't want you to die in your sins. He wants to give you life. He goes on here teaching us. It is this salvation, this life that we have in him, this hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ that he says should teach us to live different lives down here. <laughs> Denying ungodliness and world lust, we should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world. Right now, the lives that we're living right now, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ ought to make a difference. There's something wrong. If we truly talk about a, a genuine hope that we have in our lives of Christ and what he's done for us and what that's done for us and where we're going to spend eternity and yet we still live the same old ungodly lives in this world and go after the lust of this world, something's wrong, something's missing, and the problem is a heart problem. You see, we don't want to fall into the same trap of the Sadducees and the Pharisees who somehow think that this Christian life and our hope to get to heaven someday is based upon all the do's and don'ts. <laughs> we do this with our life, and we don't do that, and we go here and we don't go there, and we get all these things that we're doing for God so that we can be a Christian. No, that's what he said, the grace of God that has appeared to all men. None of us deserve it. But when it comes in our hearts, it will make a difference. And if it's not making a difference, then something is wrong. We've got a heart disease that's far more serious than the one that took our dear sister out of this world. Her physical heart gave out. But the day that we live in, too many people's spiritual hearts are giving out. He's saying that when the grace of God brings salvation to our lives, it ought to make us live differently in this life. But also while we're living in this present world, he says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I've said it many times. I'll say it again this morning. We know it up here. But if we genuinely in our hearts believe and we're looking for the Lord to come back today, it would make a difference in our lives. We're living ungodly lives, looking for the blessed hope that we have the return of our Lord Jesus Christ for us. If you knew he was coming to your house today, would it be any different? <laughs> if you knew this was the last day that you had on this earth and the last day that your friends had and that your family had and that everybody else has that you know, would it make a difference if you knew that by the end of this day, our Lord was coming back and there would be no more chance, there would be no more There'd be no hope. Our hope is all in Jesus Christ, his grace that has appeared to bring us salvation, that hope and his return to come for us one day. Our hope is in the not just the physical life that we have now and trying to somehow listen to this world and our fleshly minds and trying to make the most out of what this world can give to us and this life that we have now, but what about life for eternity? We're not focused on it enough. Too focused on the right now. <laughs> you see, you look into the book of Romans chapter 4, <laughs> you find a great, great illustration. He tells us there in verse 18, speaking of Abraham, he says, <laughs> who against hope believed in hope who against hope, when there was no hope, he believed in hope. When he couldn't see any hope, when it was totally contrary to everything, when against hope, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. 
according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. In other words, because that God had made a promise against all hope, against what everything looked like, against what everything seemed to be, he still had hope because God had promised him something. And that was where his promise was grounded. How is hope really related to our lives? Well, in Romans chapter 8, verse 24, the Bible says, for we are saved by, what's the next word? Hope. We are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? So we find that hope, hope gives you life. It is our hope in God and his truth, and we'll look at some of those things, but what I want you to see is, first of all, keep this thought in your mind, that it's through this hope that we can even have salvation. If you look back into the book of Proverbs, chapter 14, notice what it says there in verse 32. He says, the wicked is driven away in his wickedness, but... Boy, that word's always good when we see something negative. The wickedness, the wicked is driven away in his wickedness, but the righteous hath hope in his death. So on the one hand, it's hope that gives us life. And on the other hand here, the Bible is saying it is hope that is ours in death. It accompanies us there. That same hope, we find that if we look into the Book of Acts, chapter 24. Notice what he says down in verse, verse 15. He says, and having hope toward God, which they themselves also allow that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. Hope gives us life. Hope accompanies us in death. Hope is what gives us that, that hope beyond the grave, beyond death, in the resurrection that will be ours. Beyond that resurrection, notice what he says then in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, look down in verse 5. He says, for the hope which is laid up for you in where? In heaven. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. We'll come back to that, but what I want you to realize, first of all, it's hope. It's hope that brings us salvation. It's hope that accompanies us to the grave. It's hope that takes us beyond the grave and the resurrection. It's hope that is laid up in heaven for what is beyond that resurrection in our time in heaven. We find that just as what he was trying to get across to young Titus, it affects us right now in this life. In 1 John chapter 3, notice what he says in 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. He said, Beloved, now are we the sons of God? And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. In other words, he's saying here, hey, when we get to heaven, it's not going to be like we are now. We're not going to have to work. We, we've never even seen anything that compares to what it's going to be like. We don't know. Our eyes haven't seen. Our ear hasn't heard. We've talked about this so many times. Everything we know, everything we've experienced, it's all tarnished by sin. It's all cursed by sin. Bible says you can't even imagine what beauty is like when sin hasn't tarnished it. You can't imagine what life will be like when there's no sin there that's part of it. It hasn't even begun to sink in. 
But every man that has that hope in him, every man that has that hope of what it's going to be like in glory is going to affect his life here. He says, what does he do? He purifieth himself even as he is pure. Purifieth himself. We find that it'll make a difference. There's something wrong. You see, what we need to realize is somewhere... So many times that hope has left us somewhere. We've already read in in Titus chapter 2 there that it's that hope that anticipates the soon coming of our Lord. (laughs) He's coming back soon. You know, we don't live our lives like we think he's coming back soon. We live our lives like we think we've got all the time in the world. But it ought not to be that way. We sang this morning, we sang that great song about the anchor of of our soul. Well, in Hebrews chapter 6, Hebrews chapter 6, notice what it says down in verse 18 and 19. He says that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, two things that are totally unchangeable. You can't do anything about it because God said it and God can't lie. We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon what? The hope that is set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. So many times, it's easy. Can we grasp that all the devil really wants to do? He just wants to get your eyes off Jesus because I promise you, your life, my life, everybody's life is lived different when our eyes are upon him, when we're really seeing him, when our love is for him, when we, we love him more than anything in all the world. It changes our lives. He just wants to get our eyes off Jesus and onto the world. He wants to get us our eyes off of the life that is for eternity and get us focused upon the life for today. He wants to get our eyes off of the spiritual and onto the physical. Do we understand he is your enemy He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to take away your peace and your joy. He wants to mess up everything that could ever really amount to anything in your life. Your enemy wants to destroy that. And he dangles these things in front of us. He gets our focus off of where it really ought to be. The Bible is speaking of this this hope that is in our heart. A hope that saves us, a hope that takes us to, to, the, to the grave and beyond the grave and, and into heaven. A hope that makes us a different people in heaven, but it makes us a different people that's here. A hope that anticipates Jesus Christ coming back at any time. A hope that is the anchor of the soul that will keep you steadfast and sure when the enemy is throwing all the winds and the storms and the things against you to try to get you off path. Don't think that he can't. There's too many of us today that sadly have blown off path in our lives before. Never planned to. Never planned to change that journey. But Satan was able to come in. He was able to affect our hope. When he got our eyes off of that hope, he got our eyes onto the world. You see, in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, this is important. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, he tells us this. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto what? A lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. (laughs) I say to you, too many people's hope is in the dead things of this world. 
The things that are dead because of sin, though they may appear to have life, they're not. They're going to vanish away. But he says we have a lively hope, a living hope, (laughs) a hope that is alive. It's not dead. It's one that is alive and that will live for all eternity, a living hope which is there by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Why do we still want to be focusing upon all the, the dead stuff? We have a living hope in Jesus Christ. I want to ask you today, first of all, and most important, do you have hope? Do you have hope or has the the devil already succeeded in getting you away and getting your mind filled with with doubts in the things of this world, in the mind of this world? Do you have hope in Jesus Christ? Do you have that hope where it first begins with, with life in Christ? Do you have that hope? Maybe you say, why don't I see these things? Well, maybe maybe it's not present. There's something wrong with the heart. If it's not there, do you have hope? If you do have hope, why? What is your hope based upon today? Is your hope based upon where you've lived and where you've been and what you've done? Is your hope based upon some prayer that you prayed with your mouth that never came from your heart at all? Is your hope based upon the things of this world and success in this world? I'm asking you, do you have hope, first of all, in anything? And if you have a hope, what is it based upon? Do you share in the same Christian hope that we're reading about here this morning? Do you have that hope in your life today? Is it real? Is it alive? Peter also said just a bit later in chapter 3 of 1 Peter, he says in verse 15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, listen, and be ready always to give an answer to every man who asketh you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. The Bible says, as a Christian, you should be ready to give an answer anytime when you're asked that question, what is your hope? Where is it based? Well, I'm asking you that question this morning. Are you honest enough to answer it? Boy, you know, so many times the devil doesn't mind giving you a little dose of religion. (laughs) He doesn't even mind giving you a little dose of goodness. (laughs) He doesn't really mind what he gives you at all as long as he can keep you away from the one true thing that will give you hope for now and for eternity that will change your life now and for eternity. No, you won't be perfect, but you'll sure want to be. You'll be striving to be. When you do falter and mess up and stumble along the way, sometimes you just want to knock yourself upside the head and say, what are you you doing, dummy? (laughs) What are you thinking here? It changes you inside and out. In Romans chapter 15, the Bible tells us there in verse 4, He says, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. All those things that were written beforehand... Wow. All those things that we've been given in his word, he's given them to us for a reason. He says they were for our learning. Learning from God, not from man. All those things, they're there for our learning. So why should we learn those things? That we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. Somebody said the word a while ago. I think it was Rifka. <laughs> we're talking, and she said, Faith 
where it said hope because the truth is you can't separate the two. What, is he, what, what did he just say there? Patience and comfort of the Scriptures, that through them you might have hope. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. You see, again, folks, it's not rocket science. It is only through our faith. Do we believe these things? We're talking about all these things that give us hope. Well, may I say that the only place you're going to get the kind of Christian hope I'm talking about is in the Word of God. How much time do you really spend there? You've got time for all these other things in your life. You got time because you got to go here and you got to meet these friends and you got to do this and you got to do, you got to enjoy life. Well, God wants you to enjoy life, but He wants you to enjoy a life this world can't give you and that will last forever. And I'm promising you, you'll never be a strong Christian. You'll never have a strong hope if it's not anchored in God's Word. How much time do you spend with Him in His Word? Most Christians don't falter because they go out and plan to become the most wicked person in the world and just start living a life of of morbid sin. They stumble because they simply get sidetracked (laughs) from the things that will make them strong. I promise you in this life, if you don't believe me, try it. I can't give you an example. You can tell by my stature as I stand before you. Just do without food for a while. See what happens. <laughs> you know what will happen? You'll get weaker. You'll get slimmer. <laughs> you'll get smaller. And you'll get weaker and weaker. And eventually, you'll actually die. <laughs> but it's a process of getting there. You know, one of the amazing things is that you get these people that have this anorexia, these diseases and whatnot. They get so hung up on their, their looks and their weight, and they want to lose weight, lose weight, lose weight. And yet... They don't even realize that they're killing themselves. They can literally starve themselves to death without realizing it. Folks, you can't be a strong Christian. If you can't, I mean, in the natural, how much sense does it take that if you can't survive in the physical without the nourishment that will make you strong, why do you think you can in the spiritual? Why do you think that what you ate last year and 10 years ago and what you've been eating for the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years, that that's going to keep you strong now? I promise you, you could have eaten as much. You could be as healthy as I am. Quit eating. You'll get weaker. You'll get slimmer. There'll be less of you. And you'll get to where you're too weak to do anything worthwhile. You see, the psalmist, Psalm 119. Shall we read it all? Okay. <laughs> Nobody's got any plans for lunch, right? <laughs> we'll take it verse by verse here, expositionally looking at it. Psalm 119, longest chapter in the Bible, and it's all focused on the Word of God. Notice what it says in verse, verse 49. Verse 49 says, Remember the word unto thy servant upon which thou hast caused me to hope. I'm not trying. You see, the last thing in the world that would do you any good today is for me to try to play with your emotions in some way and get you psyched up to, to do something. No, the thing I want you to grasp today, it's not me or anybody else that can give it to you. But if you want... The Christian hope, the basis of our Christian hope is found with God, is found in His Word. You see, the very first thing that I want to remind you of, because really every other hope in our Christian faith hinges upon this hope, because if if God's Word isn't true, if there's, if we can find one little mistake in there. Why does Satan try to undermine it so? Why does he try to weaken it so? I had the privilege when I was at the walk-in yesterday with this thumb, 
And obviously, I guess when I went in and told him that I had a swollen thumb that was hurting a lot, it wasn't a high priority because everybody else kept going in ahead of me and ahead of me. And a couple hours later, I'm wondering, well, are they going to ever get to a measly thumb that I'm sitting here feeling like crying over because it's hurting me so bad sitting there? And finally, a young lady called me back, the nurse, and she began looking, and we got to talking. And I guess one of the things that she asked me when she looked at my thumb was, do you work? Maybe I look too old to work, do I? You know, <laughs> do you work? <laughs> I said, well, well, yes, I, I, I do. She said, what, what do you do for a living? And I said, well, I, I pastor a church. And uh, so this con- that opened up a wide open door. She didn't know what she was letting herself into. But the conversation really blossomed from there. And come to find out, she was from India. Her family was from India. She got a brother who was only like 25 years old, I think. She was 24, 25, who is a, a preacher her mom was a Christian and her dad wasn't, so they were raised in quite a, a turmoil when it came to those kind of things in their life growing up. But she said, you know, she considered herself to be a Christian because of her upbringing. She was taught all the right things, but she honestly said, but I'm not very religious now. And of course, as we began to, to talk, there were so many things. And one of the things that comes, she said, well, she said, you know, what confuses me is why... Why is there so many different interpretations? And I first, to clarify, I said, are you talking about interpretations or translations? She said, well, both, but she said mainly interpretations. You know, why do people read the same book and come up with so many different ideas, you know? I said, well, one, because that's human nature. We all want to come up with our own unique ideas. It's part of us. But I said, you know, when you get right down to it, I said, there are a lot, but I, said, but I said there are foundational, fundamental truths to the Christian faith that every Christian, no matter what brand or tag that they might put on themselves, they have to believe these things. I said, now, they may differ on a lot of other things that get down to our practice in, in our lives and all this, but it opened the door to explain to her that my hope was in the Word of God, and that's where her hope needed to be, not just in some religion or denomination that she had been taught things in her mind, but they needed to be applied to her heart. So God used that old sore thumb to give me the opportunity to at least witness to somebody. And of course, I already had my sermon on mind today, and the best thing I could do to her for her was to point her to the Word of God. You see, the statement that I made on Wednesday, the basis of our Christian hope, why could we have such hope? For Sister Diane, for each and every one of us, because of our confidence in the Word of God. If we don't have confidence here, all those other hopes are going to vanish anyway. We began very, very, very early some years ago in our whole series on contending for the faith. We began with the idea that the basis of our faith is the Word of God. Well, just as the Word of God is the basis for our faith, it is the basis for our hope our Christian hope, all that we have. And of course, we find that one of the things that we've already read here in the text this morning was that God cannot lie. You know, those immutable, unchangeable things that God's given us, a God that cannot lie, we find that a God that cannot lie has given us His Word. And it's on His Word that we can have confidence today. And I I want you to grasp and realize and understand that I don't think that you have to be a theology student. I don't think that you have to believe a lot of the theology the same way that I do. And God forgive me if I would ever think that somebody was less of a Christian than I am because they believe something different, but they believed the cardinal doctrines of what we've looked at, the hope that will bring us salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, God's grace, through His grace, the confidence in His Word, you want your Christian hope, you want to know why that some of us can have such a Christian hope that it affects all of our other thinking and everything else that we do because of our confidence that everything we have here is the truth. And everything that we have here it's what we need to be living our lives by. It's not there 
just so that we got something religious to read. There's plenty of religious books out there. God said he gave it to us for our learning, for our learning that we might have hope. Our hope in him is based upon his word. You see, that's where it begins. Faith, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We look, we know that God's there. We see that God's there. The Bible is what tells us that we've sinned. That's not hard to figure out. If you just, if you just look at yourself, you'll admit that you're a sinner. The wages of that sin is death, but God wants to give you eternal life. The thing is, are you willing to turn away from that dead life and that sin and turn to Jesus? That's what repentance, see, see, so many people think repentance is about saying, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but still going the same direction, still hanging on to the same old thing. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Repentance is seeing it like God says. <laughs> Do you know how bad that is? Have, have you ever in your life been somewhere, and I don't want to try to get gross here or anything, but have you ever smelled anything that was so bad that you did not even have to think about it? Your automatic was just repulsion to go the other way. I won't use any examples of certain things, but there's lots of things that can, let me promise you, smell that bad that I don't have to question, do I want to stay here and breathe this or do I want to get out of here? When you begin to smell the stink of sin like God does, you don't have to think about it. You want to go the other way. You see, we've got heart trouble when it's still a chore to do what's right. That doesn't mean that you won't have battles. That doesn't mean that the temptation won't be there. But what's your heart want to do? Does it want to try to come up with an excuse to be able to, to hang around? Because you don't even smell the stink because you've gotten so used to it. Do you know that people that live next to these treatment centers, you can drive through certain areas and you don't live there, and there's some treatment center there for the sewage of the city and whatnot, and all you got to do is drive by, whoo, how could anybody live here? There's people living all around it. They don't smell a thing. They've grown accustomed to it. The same thing. I can remember in the summer times, I used to love to go spend some time with one of my uncles on the farm. And you know, when I get there that, that first week or two, you go out there, man, and you walk in those barns, you go in there to, to milk the cows or whatever, and oh, man, the aroma. <laughs> to them, it smells sweet. <laughs> I could think of a lot of other words besides sweet to describe what I was smelling. <laughs> they get used to it. Don't think anything about it. We get too used to sin in our lives. We get too used to the stink. I want to say to you today, I'm, I want you to experience and know the kind of hope that the Bible is filled with. And it's going to begin by having confidence in what God says. If you believe this is God's word and you believe that God is the one person in all the world that wants to give you eternal life, that wants you to be happy, that wants you to avoid the pitfalls and the, and the terrible things in your life, why are you listening to somebody else? Why are you following someone else's example? Why are you being influenced by the wrong people when you've got God's word? Our Christian hope is based on having confidence in his word, and it's based upon our standing in the grace of God. I won't turn back and read it because I'm fighting the clock again this morning, but when we looked in Romans there a while ago, you know that from the time that God first came and promised Abraham that he was going to make of him a great nation, and he was going to do it through his own personal seed. Until the birth of Isaac, there was some 25 years that went by. And I try to get that in perspective, and I think, wow. You know, I think back from the time I was 35 to the time I'm 60. Whew, that's a long time. Well, Sarah was 65, and Abraham was 75 when God came and made that promise to them. So they weren't young people anymore. And about 10 years passed by, and Sarah became impatient. <laughs> she decided that, and she convinced Abraham, 
that they needed to help this thing along. And so they had a child through Hagar, Ishmael. Now, they were like 75 and 85 at that point in time. And it was still another 15 years before the birth of Isaac. You see, Ishmael was born out of impatience and waiting on God. (laughs) Impatience. Impatience about what God had already said that he would do. And so they undertook in the flesh what God had promised to do himself. Now, God had to remind Abraham of that promise. And it did seem hopeless. That's what our text was talking about to Abraham. Matter of fact, at the time when God reminded him, Abraham actually laughed in God's face. Sarah laughed in the tent. (laughs) Have you ever heard something that it was just so out there that he just made you laugh because it was so unreal. But God assured him of his promise. And it was that hope, that hope when there was absolutely no hope in the natural that was the result of the seed that God brought forth in his son Isaac. We find that we need to stand in the grace of God. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. We need to stand in the grace of God. It's our confidence in the Word of God that will first give us hope, But day by day by day, just as we hear here, we need to stand in the grace of God. We can only get to that grace through our faith in Jesus Christ, his finished work, what he's still doing for us. It's in that grace that he says we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Notice God's order here, folks. We don't have time to... Tribulation and then patience... Perseverance, eh? (laughs) And then comes experience. And then comes hope. Hope maketh not ashamed. You could say hope never disappoints. (laughs) But it starts with the tribulation. And then that patience that's there, that perseverance, that's what proves our character. That's the, the experience that brings us to that hope. There's a great need for patience today. No shortage of tribulation, I can assure you. (laughs) Tribulation all around. But there's a great shortage of patience. Too many, too many Ishmaels running around through impatience and waiting upon God and what he has for us. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36 says, For ye have need of patience that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. (laughs) Begins with what God promises, and then standing in God's grace to realize the fulfillment of that promise. We need that grace in our lives, that patience. So, folks, our Christian hope It's based on our confidence in the Word of God, our standing in the grace of God, knowing God's timing is right. God will do it. God is the only one that will do it. We have confidence in the words, but our confidence is in the writer that gave them to us as well. The grace in which we stand between the promise and the fulfillment, our faith, 
which can't be separated. Our faith in the work of God. Confidence, our stand in His grace, our faith in His work. Faith, and I've got many verses, but I don't need to really give those to you this morning. Faith that He will do what He says. You see, our, our hope is not just an external hope based on external matters. It's a hope, the Bible says, that's begotten in our souls. In knowing, I mean knowing that we're in God's hand and everything that matters now in life and for eternity, it's in his hands. What a security that you can have. It's not about a feeling. It's not about your emotions. It's about an assurance in the soul based upon our absolute faith in God and his word. We just so many times don't even think about it a faith that is all-inclusive in our lives. I don't care how small or how big it is. God's there with you. A faith that, that never, ever, ever gives up. A faith that expresses itself not only in your reading of His Word, but your prayers and communicating with Him continually. Is God so near to you? What, what is that praying always? It's because your relationship with him is so real. You don't have to go start and trying to get everything in your life sorted out and straightened out just so you can get a conversation with God. You're walking with him hand in hand, arm in arm. Just turn over and speak. You know when that person's near to you? You know the person sitting near to you right there right now. You don't have to go find them, do you? If you want to say something, just turn your head and speak. That's how close God should be to us. Wherever we are, whatever we're doing in life, whatever it is, we talk to him about it. We ask him for the wisdom, the word of God, the grace of God, the work of God. Do you believe it this morning? Is it the center of your life? Or Satan got you eyes on something else? Do you really believe it this morning? You see, <laughs> your life is going to be a mess if you don't. You will pay for it. That's what Satan wants. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. <laughs> what is the hope of your salvation based upon this morning? Do you know that you're a child of God? He says, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Do you know that this morning? We find that my prayer for you today is that God would just strengthen our faith, illuminate our minds, help us to hold the truths that he's given to us dear to our hearts. Make them our hope. Let our hope be based upon not our new prime minister as much as we ought to pray for and wish her the best in the world. Not in the new president after they get through slinging their mud at each other for the next year. Not in the great powers of this world. Not in the great minds of this world. But in him. You hold it in your heart. He's given this to you that you might learn, that you might have a hope, a hope that will give you eternal life now, a hope that will change the way you live now and keep you expectantly looking for him and expecting him and knowing that he's coming back for you and that, yes, a hope, the Bible says, Hope to give you life now. Hope that you have in death. Hope that you have beyond that grave into eternity beyond. Hope that will affect who we are then and who we are now. Hope that comes only through our Lord Jesus Christ today. Do you have that hope? Father, I thank you this morning. And Lord, there's, I know a lot of things I've had to skip over and leave out, but 
you know our hearts, you know the hearts of these, and I pray that, oh, Lord, that you'd take these uh, simple thoughts, you'd speak to hearts. Lord, I don't deserve, don't desire any credit, but I sure would like to know that you've spoken to hearts. There may be those here today, Lord, that maybe they don't feel like they have much hope right now. Maybe they're here and uh, maybe their hopes are in things that are pretty shaky ground, <laughs> things of this world. I just pray that through these simple thoughts today, you can help them to understand the kind of hope they can have in you. If they'll believe your word, stand in the grace that you call them into by that word. For by grace are you saved through faith. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Lord, it's that believing you, believing your word that will bring them to the grace in which they'll stand. Faith in your work and your word that all that you said, every promise you've made that you will fulfill and that you're there. Whatever it is that we need in our lives, you're there with us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I just pray you can have and know that hope today. We're going to sing these simple verses because today, wherever you are, if you need that hope, then guess what? You need to come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. The songwriter says in, in this word, I am coming, Lord, coming now to thee. Wash me, cleanse me in the blood that flowed on Calvary. Christian, are you struggling right now? Things knocked, hope knocked you, knocked you about, and you're, you've just lost side of some of the things that you really, really know in your mind, but not really in your heart anymore, come to the Lord today. He'll give you that hope, hope day by day, everything that you face, that hope that there. Let's stand, let's sing together.